Hi everybody and welcome to Wrong Term Memory or RBR, the Jack and Colin show, depending on what feed you're listening to this on because we've decided to release it on both because we're that excited. So we are calling about the guest we've got on this week. Uh, we are excited, yeah. Uh, hi Jack. Um, it's going to be a good one, hopefully, um, one I'm looking forward to. Um, so yeah, if you're usually listening on RBR on a Friday morning, this is what kind of stuff that happens on Wrong Term Memory, so please do check us out over here as well. Um, Jack, I'll let you introduce the guest. I'll, I'll kind of just say we, we've been looking recently to try and get some different people on that do sort of different stuff. Um, and this, I think, certainly certainly falls into that category. So who have we got on with us this week? We've got um, Megara Fury, who I'm going to actually... I actually wrote this down, listen to this, this is absolutely stinking, sorry. I'm actually going to let her take a little bit of control here and basically tell us what it is that she does. So thanks for coming on, Megara. How are you? I am absolutely fucking brilliant. And what an intro. (laughs) So (laughs) exciting. Um, um, So I'm Megara Fury and I'm a dominatrix. I've been a dom for 13 years, since 2010. And I also am at college doing software development and I'm also a certified scrum coach Um, and I'm also a a founder of a coaching company with four women. So lots and lots and lots of shit happening. Um, But my main main thing that I do right now is, is being a dominatrix. So it's funny, right, because when I was talking to you before in the build up to all this and you mentioned that you were a scrum coach, I got ridiculously excited about that fact because I'm a scrum master and I told yeah. Jack and Jack said, right, that's not the podcast. Right? So um, it's that's the podcast that perhaps I would like to hear, but maybe we'll do that another day. Um, so today we're not going to, but the the fact that you do what you do and you also are into scrum and agile and stuff like that, it rocked my world a little bit. So I was, I was excited to read that because the amount of people that I have to explain what a scrum master is to when I mention that's what I do and they think it's rugby um, how how you calling yourself a master, all that sort of stuff. But hey, that probably links into what you do as well, master. Um, but <laughs> it's just a weird one. But yeah, we're not going to talk too much about that if at all. It's going to be more about the sort of the dominatrix side of things. And thirteen years is a fair old stint in any job. Um, we got a how how did that come about? What what did you do in two thousand and ten that made you suddenly realize this is what I'm going to do for a job? So I've job hopped for most of my life where I'd, I'd go into a company and I'd find myself making money for someone else and I just couldn't stand it, you know, like having bosses telling me what time I have to be in at, what I'm supposed to be doing, what time I'm allowed to leave at, when I'm allowed to have lunch. And I remember working in Phones For You and this the, the, the owner of the company used to claw back our commission if we missed it by just one phone. So you could sell 49 phones, right? And then if you if you didn't hit 50, you would lose all your commission. And he bought a, he bought a boat and called it Clawback. Oh, dear. What a word. Everybody's clawed back commission. And that, that stung because I thought, I'm absolutely done in with making money for other people. I so. Um, so I did another couple of jobs. I sold um, pharmaceuticals for a while. I sold cars. And amongst all of that, um, I worked as a stripper. So I used to be really dead against the adult industry. I thought it was all seedy and disgusting and all of these things. 
Um, and, you know, a lot of that was to do with my own insecurities. Part of it was to do with a relationship that I was in where I was listening to him and how he used to talk about women that did that kind of thing. So, you know, you get influenced by that and you think, well, it must be a shameful thing. I mean, this guy that I really respect and whatever is is talking like this about these women. So, um, so then... Um, I ended up in a works night out with the guys from the car garage that I was working at. And I think it was about, I don't know, half 11, 12 or something. I was steaming, so were all of them. And they said, right, do you want to go to the chicken dippers? And I thought we were going for food, right? So I'm like, aye, I'll go for chicken dippers. I like chicken dippers. So, um and they said, no, we're not going for food. We're going for we're going to the strippers. And and I was like, nah, no chance. I'm not going there. That's not for me. And they were like, why? And I was like, well, just because it's like CD and it's, it's all of these things. And they were like, oh, shut up. It's not any of those things at all. You'll have a really good night. And, you know, if you just go for one drink, you'll be fine. And, and if you don't like it, you can always leave. So... They said to me, go for one drink. And I thought, right, one drink's not going to harm me. I says, but one of you is paying me in. So I ended up in the strip club. And the minute I walked through the door, I instantly loved it. I just thought it was just magical. And there was it was just like an energy about the place. So started as a stripper, worked there for about six years, went around the world, and um, ended up talking to a guy who knew a dominatrix that was looking for somebody to train. And um, he was he was like a big goth looking person, and there was somebody on stage <laughs> getting their I know surprise their their arse tanned, and uh, he said to me, oh, "I know somebody that does that for a living," and I was like, "Does what?" And um, he said, "Just a dominatrix," and I thought that sounds like a cool job title. So I didn't really know that much about it, but what I found was when I get started, um, she'd ask me like, "What kind of things?" Are you comfortable doing what you're not comfortable doing? Like, and what are you willing to kind of try out or experiment with? And um, I'd never really thought about that. Like, what am I comfortable doing? And so she said to me, well, what have you done in your sex life? Or what have you done, like, in the past? So I started listing all these things. And she was like, right, well, that's water sports. That's bondage. That's this, that's that. She's like, you're already pretty kinky, like. So then I thought, well, how many other people out there are already kinky, but they just don't know that this stuff's got names? So um, so that that was it. Like I did my first session up there as a kind of training session to see how I got on. And um, after that session, she was like, you're going to be fine. Just start booking people in. And, so uh, if you don't mind me just interrupting, tell me, tell, um, me a bit about, tell me a bit about how a training session works in that environment. Um, are you training somebody that works there already, and they're they're like they are they pretending they're the customer sort of thing, or are you being observed? How would that sort of work? So I, I turned up and she was dressed uh, in all in black. There was another girl there that was there to get trained, and she said, "Right, we've got a guy next door. He's on his knees, and we're going to do." She's like, "Just follow my lead. I'll tell you what we're going to be doing, and if you're uncomfortable, you know." Just say, totally fine, like no harm, no foul. So we went into the room and the guy, fair enough, was on his knees and we started off with, right, you kiss her shoes and kiss her shoes. 
So I'm just standing, the guy kisses my shoes, and I'm like, all right, I mean, that was easy. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then I think, I can't remember if it was him or someone else, but there was definitely a, a, a curly pigtail butt plug that went in somewhere. And, uh, somewhere, yeah. He's an asshole. <laughs> I can't remember if it was him or, or the other guy. It was so long ago. Um, but this guy, anyway, we ended up uh, tying him to a post, attaching clothes pegs all down his chest, and then taking mm. them off with a flogger. I mean, you're wincing, right? But it wasn't really that. It wasn't that bad. It was only a wee soft flogger. Well, that's probably it because I, I'm going to hold my hands up. I don't know about Colin here, but I'll hold my hands up. I'm a pretty beige guy when it comes to sex, you know. Like <laughs> the weirdest place I've had sex is probably like Gart Kosh or something like that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that that's kind of what you're dealing yeah, with. It's, it's a bit of weird. I don't want to shame you or anything. But, <laughs> but so that this is why, yeah, this is why we're, we're so interested. Can I rewind a little bit to um, your your earlier steps into into the industry, if we call it that? Yeah. We're stripping. You brought up in Glasgow, so I imagine it would either have been what Diamond Dolls or Seventh Heaven. Did you start stripping in one Seven. of those? Seventh Heaven. That's the place I've not been. Because <laughs> I've been I've been to Diamond Dolls two or three times in my life, yeah. and even as a as a young guy, full of beans, full of testosterone, whatever, I never really enjoyed the places. To be honest with you, so it's interesting to hear from a woman's perspective. You went in and just straight away, you just kind of clicked and thought, "This uh, this is for me." And was it there and then? At I don't know what age you were, eighteen, nineteen. You decided this is my so I, I, was, I was mid twenties, so I was right, like, okay, oh, so we were in the door compared right, okay. to you know, a charmer Jack, your charmer, the younger ones. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So yeah, I so I walked in and I thought this place is magical, and then I get downstairs into the main bit, and there's these big double doors that open, and I looked around and I was like, I even love the way this place is decorated. There's these big devil faces coming out of the walls and stuff, and I was like, oh, this is cool. So we go to the bar, and as we get to the bar, the mega strip starts kicking off, right? I didn't know it was called the mega strip at the time, and I know that's what it was called. What is that? Sorry, can you tell so me the what the mega, mega strip, strip is? The mega strip is where every single dancer in the place stops what they're doing, gets onto the floor, on top of the bar, onto the stage, onto tables, onto whatever surfaces they can find, and for one song, they dance. Right. in front of the whole club, right? And then it's tops off at the end of it. And then for the next two songs, all dances are half price. So oh, nice. there's this rush to get dances off everybody, <laughs> yeah, right? So um, so I'm like, what the fuck is going on here, right? Because there's girls climbing up onto the stage and everything's all kicking off. And um, and the DJ's like, it's a mega strip. And I'm like, yes, that sounds great. <laughs> and then... <laughs> And um, my mate was just like, like I want a cat in a fish shop, man. He was trying to look at everybody at once, <laughs> breaking yeah. his neck, trying to see everything. And uh, and he's like, right, do you want a dance? And um, I, I was like, uh, before I could even say, he's like, what one? And I went, oh, that, that one. I just pointed <laughs> at the first one that was there. And uh, she took me in for a dance and I was like, oh, I don't know if I should have done this. So I just felt awkward, you know, because the girl was dancing and stuff. And um and then it, when I came back out and sat down with my drink and just kind of like 
got that moment to just really take it all in. I was looking around and I'm going, you know, I'm in probably in the same shape as most of these women, right? And you know, I'm I'm no I'm no bad looking, and they're not what I built my what I built them up to be. I mean, they're very glamorous, they're very powerful, they're very beautiful, but it wasn't beyond my reach to get there. So I thought, totally. I, I could do this. And then I was listening to some of them talking to the guys, and I was a, a really successful car salesperson at that point, and I was listening to their chat, and they're like, do you want to dance? No, all right. And then they'd go and talk to the next guy. I just thought, this is like you could definitely clean up in here you know just with a wee bit of chat you could do I could do really well and I just a wee light bulb went off and I'm like I could make money at this so and then I thought I could make good money at this that you know and, and I would decide and I don't need to listen to that boss anymore telling me when I can go for lunch and all of these things so um so the next day uh, I phoned up the club and I was like, right, I want a job. And they were like, "Can you, have you ever danced before? No. Well, no then. <laughs> my wee dream right. get crushed. <laughs> so she made me go out and do a couple of dance lessons, which I'd done. And then, um, and then I had a job there within two weeks. I was working there. I love the idea that you've kind of transferred skills then from yeah. existing jobs <laughs> yeah. into that one that you mentioned you worked for phones for you. Um, I, I worked for Free Mobile uh, for years, so I kind of I know all about I try to hit X number of phones a month, try to get your ampoo target and all this nonsense that they do. Yeah. Um, I didn't do cars, but it's selling, selling, and I totally I, I, I've never thought of the idea of somebody who is a stripper or whatever else upselling themselves and trying the above the line language chat and trying the mm-hmm. the pattern to make to get the sale. How did it work then? Did I take it? Did you go in and did you did you earn more money than the rest of them because of those skills you were able to use? So we didn't ever really discuss like earnings. Do you know what I mean? Like maybe a ballpark, but never really. But I did do very very well, and my approach was so I would go up and I knew that everybody was expecting. It's a, a program, you know, when you go into any shop. And they go, hey, can I help you? And you say, I'm just looking. That's a programmed automated response, right? Yeah, just yeah. programmed to say it. So I know that's coming. And um, I'd walk up to guys and I know that, that they're going to go, oh, I know, I'm, I'm all right, they know. And um, I would just cut straight through that and say, I, I don't want to dance with you. I'm just here to tell you a joke. Right. <laughs> and they'd be like, right, uh, okay. Well, can I not tell you a joke? Well, I'll tell you a joke. Just one joke, that's it. If it's not funny, you can tell me to fuck off. And then I had this joke rehearsed and I'd tell them a couple of jokes, I'd get them laughing and I would always get a dance at the end of it. Love it, yeah. It's just Basically, it's with any sales job, isn't it? Don't give them an opportunity to say no. Give them a couple of options so they have to choose one of them and, and you're it's in also, the at that point. Give them something because it's the law of um, reciprocity where you give somebody something they feel obliged to give you something back. Totally. In my case, I give them a few jokes, a bit, a bit of a laugh, entertainment. And I always get back money. <laughs> Cash, I, I, I was not expecting to be speaking about the law of, what was it you said there, sorry? Reciprocity. Right, okay. That's pretty fascinating in itself, you know, just that. <laughs> like, let's be honest, that's right, psychology. Yeah, you figured that out pretty early on. Mm-hmm. What to expect and then counteract that by doing something that people enjoy, you know. What were your jokes, can you remember? 
You mind telling us one? <laughs> one of my jokes was um, it's a it's a it's an Irish joke. So I don't know if it's. I well, go for it, man. It yeah, will do well in some corners. Uh, it's very welcome, actually. <laughs> right. Okay. So it's a Pat and Mick joke. Um, you remember this is like eighteen years ago. I was telling this. So, uh-huh. uh, so, what is it? So Pat. Pat wins the lottery and the the National Lottery Camelot phone him up and they're like, Pat, Pat, listen, you've, you've won the lottery, congratulations. He's like, oh my God, that's brilliant. Cannot believe it. I've been playing the lottery for fucking years. I'm so excited. How much have I won? How much have I won? What is it, a ten or a hundred quid? What is it? And they're like, no, you've won the jackpot, Pat. And he's like, no fucking way. This is incredible. Oh man, right, what, what happens next? And they say, well... We've got a wee bit of a problem, Pat. I'm so sorry, but you've won uh, you've won nine million, but we're having a bit of a, a funds problem right now. So we're going to give you three million this week, three million the next week, and then we'll split the next three million up over the next the last two weeks. And he's like, Oh fuck's sake, if it's gonna be that much hassle, just give my pound back. <laughs> <laughs> ah, good. good stuff. I like it. It's a good one. Yeah. Um, Pat, and it, Pat, it, it just builds that rapport straight away, doesn't it? And you get the chat going. So, aye, absolutely. And mm-hmm. uh, aye, it was good. And I just had I'd be short jokes like um, kind of dark humour and stuff like that as well. But yeah, stuff that would have went down. But I, I, th- I think some of these jokes would still go down personally to me pretty well just now. But you know, yeah, we, we've moved on the last sort of aye, it eighteen years. Count, you know, I don't want to uh-huh. offend anybody. Um, Cancelled, man. No, um, some of the things that we said on here. Now, <laughs> the how long did how long did that job last before you get uh, before you started doing your your training that you discussed with Colin a minute ago? So how long were you stripping for? So as a stripper, I did it for a good few years. I did it on and off, though. So there was times right. where I just went off travelling and I just did my own thing and I picked up a different job and things like that. But on and off for, for a good few years. And then as a dominatrix, that's when I really got serious about being self-employed. And and, uh, and I've been doing that since 2010. Well, the end of 2010. So, yeah, it's right. been a so, so you mentioned, like, as part of that training, you were getting asked, what is it like doing it? I noticed you, you, you mentioned water sports there. So is that something you were doing just in, just pissing on people, or, like, or pissing on your boyfriend or whatever? Was that was that something you enjoyed, that that, that kink that, that you didn't realise other people were into as well? You just thought that this... I just, just... I just thought what I was doing was just, that's just what I'm doing, right? Uh-huh. I, didn't, I didn't really think about it in terms of, in relation to what other people were doing. Right. I was just getting on with whatever we were doing and we we a kind of adventurous life and all that. But the so the the passion thing came about um we were out in a we were out in a night out and we used to go to the arches and stuff, so we were always just fucking so trying tuning in eyebrows and everything okay. by three o'clock in the morning and back at house parties and everything else. And um we got home one night and I was like I want to pee in you, and he was like, "Okay, uh, right, fine." And um, I can't remember if it was the next week or something, but it definitely happened quite soon after that. And I just told him to get in the bath, and stood over him, peed him, and I was like, mm. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> "Average." It was, like... it was all right, and then he's just lying there, 
cover. You know what I mean? You could probably want a payoff if um, if you're lying there getting pissed on, but it, it was fine. It was good. Yeah. I hope you were fully hydrated that day. Like it was a clear stream. Nah, pure pure hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Right. I, 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 listen, I'm going to jump ahead then with a, a crazy question. Do people ask for that level of detail in terms of if, if somebody wants pissed on, does that come into the conversation? Uh, so I don't do water sports anymore, but um, I used to do some fun things with water sports. So if it was a partner, then fine, I would stand over them and do all that kind of thing. But um, if it's a client, then I would do it differently. So I would pee into a cup first. So there's no nudity or anything like that happening. Yeah. Um, what I would also do is um, add a soda stream at one point and I would make carbonated piss. They like to call it mistress's champagne and I'm like, I'll give the champagne. So that kind of thing, like Pisseco or whatever nice. you want to call it. That's, that's, that's not, that is not bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we had that and uh, what else have I done with it? I've made pissy ice lollies as well for summer. Nice. Um, when I first started, I opened this thing called McGarry's Cafe. And I'm looking forward chewed, to this. Yeah. You can imagine, right? Chewed up pasta. Um, <laughs> and it all came from the first session I've ever done. Like pissed in corn cornflakes and piss. Chewed up <laughs> pasta, spat out things. I actually vomited up a full spaghetti bolognese once for somebody. For somebody. <laughs> Ate oh, the whole okay, thing no. and then just like bulked it all back up again into a box. Um, I've had one guy who wanted um, he wanted to eat a rolling shite. So, <laughs> oh yeah, I, I really wanted to ask about shite at a point, but on, on you go, yeah. Okay, cool. Let's crack that one open. Um, oh. So, I've had a few that, that wanted poop, and um, I had one guy that used to get used to pretend. That he was his girlfriend as well as being himself. Okay. So he would write me from his girlfriend's account, just like pretend girlfriends, and say, Oh, he's been so bad this week. I think you should just make him eat shite. And I'm like, Oh, really? How bad has he been? And all of this. I'd play along with it. Uh-huh. And then he'd message me and he'd be like, Oh, I think my girlfriend might have messaged you and she said that I have to come and eat shite. But oh, I suppose I'm going to have to do it, aren't I? And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> the games that were the mental gymnastics that this person's going through uh-huh. so he would turn up and um and he was he was like i just want it plain just like give me it in a bowl with a spoon so i had a I had a dog bowl and he just sat and ate it like he was eating a bowl of cereal that's mental right because you know like the was this a, I don't know if this was a, a podcast I was listening to, but the, the, this is not your industry, but the porn industry, the, the downfall of the porn industry, let's say, they, they got a lot of sort of really niche requests, so you could actually request like a very specific porno video just for you. And yeah. some of the things that I heard about that, like very specific things, like one guy sent in all of these collectible stamps and his kink was... The, the girls to set them on fire and then just stomping them with their stilettos video and then send them that very specific thing back to him. Now, shite is quite a an umbrella term, right? Scat, <laughs> people are into it. Can you tell us, like, what's, like, a really, really... That was quite specific as well, like, you know, with the, the sort of... Um, 
the guy playing two characters there, but is there anything else that's really quite specific that maybe even on the face of it you wouldn't think would be kinky, like stamping out stamps that have been fired, but that got that guy off. Is there anything sort of specific like that? that that's just... I, I mean, I've had somebody who'd a fetish for belly buttons. Right, okay. And but his thing was would to stand with you know a knitting needle. So he would yeah. have the pokey bit in his belly button and I would have the round bit in my belly button. He booked an hour session, right? So I'm just standing with a, with a wee thing in my belly button connected to his belly button. And that was it. That was it? And we oh. just we didn't, we didn't really speak because he didn't <laughs> want to talk. So we're just standing there. And that was that it. In, in like, an hour. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's that's pretty specific. Do you, does that ever... I'm not going to be down on anybody's kink, but is it stuff like that? Not is there not times where you're just a little bit sort of freaked out at all, or is a person's kink a person's kink? And if they've told you about it, you're willing to do it, then you just go through with it because that one sounds more creepy than anything else. Just standing in silence with a a knitting needle between your belly buttons. It was more boring than anything else. I like a bit of chat, right? I like a laugh. So I would say, like, when it comes to when it comes to people's fetishes, I'm more curious than anything else. Uh-huh. I've always been curious, curious about people, their stories, what makes them tick, like how they got to where they got to. And I think that started with doing sales because part of your job is to find out about people, talk yeah. to them. What is it? What is it that they really want? And you you learn that people have got all different stories. Then as a stripper, um, and you're mostly an agony aunt in there. It's mostly listening to guys talking about oh, I've worked really hard. Oh, you work too hard. You know, you need to take some time off. Look after yourself. And oh, you really care about me. Yeah, give me another tenner. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> so I think I really developed like a strong and a really genuine curiosity about people. And even like as a coach, when I get into the coaching side of things, that curiosity really served me well because I'm interested in people. I'm interested in what's going on in their heads, how they think, what makes them tick. And um, it's basically the same thing in two different spaces. I think in some ways that's probably key because I doubt MD turns up for a first session with you. And within 10 minutes, they're doing something kinky. There must be some sort of a meeting or chat before it, some sort of not yeah. a get-to-know-you session, because I imagine you'd probably, most of them probably don't want to get to know you first. They don't want that side of it. But there must be, like, before you get down to it, what sort of procedures and stuff do you go through? Like, is it as boring as, like, disclaimers and checklists and all that sort of stuff? Or is there so more I've to got, it? We have a bit of a chat first, and then if I think that we are... are we're aligned so I do the stuff that they're requesting and and you know they've been polite enough and things in their first request then I'll send them a link that they can book online so they'll, they'll book and they'll pay online for everything they instantly get the details out of where they're coming to what happens next like maybe they need to do a covid test and all of those kind of things and then when they arrive I normally they are their heads all over the place because they're they're nervous. They're like, oh my God, did anyone see me coming in here? All of that stuff's going on for them. So I take a wee bit of time at the start, just put them at ease, have a wee bit of chat with them. 
And then if I think they're really, really nervous, then I'll start the session really slow with some housekeeping and some fun stuff before we actually really get into it. And then from there, um, you know, I've had sessions recently actually where usually the, the first little kind of initial chat and just checking over their fetishes, make sure I've got everything correct and I'm not missing anything. And um a lot of the time, or what's happened recently is that little five-minute section has actually ended up taking half an hour because we've got into some conversation about actually this came from this thing and this thing happened to me and I'm really struggling with this. And then we end up in this whole coaching conversation before we even get into the session, which is actually really cool because I feel like I'm connecting with people and I'm much deeper level now is that kind of like um i was I did a little bit of reading earlier on and carol young came up and he speaks about shadow work is is that something that you know about basically people coming to you to get out parts that they would normally think that society would deem undesirable like their person let's say their personality traits that if they were to tell all their friends my friends would probably like that. That's then should they come to you, and not in the darkness. But you know what I mean. That that's I, th- I don't know if you've yeah, heard I mean, of the shadow work stuff, but that's what I was telling thinking. me things that they've maybe never told another soul. Anybody, yeah. That they've kept it, they've carried it for so long. They've thought they're they've made it mean stuff about themselves. They've made it mean something about their future, about relationships, about um about all sorts of different aspects of their life and then they end up caught in all these stories about themselves which can actually lead to a lot of depression and anxiety and and they end up hiding in other aspects of their life they're never really able to be their true self so being able to just let that armor down and just be vulnerable and just let all of that out it can actually be really transformative for people um i don't know like the shadow work side of things, I, I wouldn't call it shadow work because um, it would imply that it's a sort of, for me, it implies it's a, a dark side, which I don't uh. see it as being a dark side. I don't see it as dark or light. It's just part of. And so I think when we call it, because language is really powerful in how we use it and how we describe things because it can infer all, this, all these different meanings. So I think if we call it shadows and stuff, People can start to go, God, that's dark and I want to get rid of it because I don't want to be dark and I don't want to, you know. Well, on the flip side of that, uh, like BDSM, did they call that play? Is that right? Is that, yeah. I'm using the right to... yeah. So that's something you don't do as an adult. You don't play as an adult. So uh, that's the flip side of it. You, yes. you play. That sounds fun. You, you play that. Absolutely. So that's the flip side of it. Uh, yeah, 100%. We get, to, we get to about eight, nine, ten years old and up until that point, we're crashing our bikes into trees and we're getting chocolate in our hair and people are telling us, you're bad and you're wrong and no. And we just brush it off, right? We've got no concept of time. We don't give a fuck what anybody's telling us. And we're like, so what if I've got chocolate in my hair? I've got pals out there and I'm going out to see them. Right. And so we're, we're just fearless and we're confident and, and that's who we are at our core. But who we're, who we're being is what happens after that point when suddenly somebody gives us any trouble in a certain way or we get into trouble so many times 
and it lands differently. And then we become self-aware and we start going, oh, there's something wrong over here where I am, rather than just being, you know, kind of, we then become separate from the world in a sort, in a sense. Very Freudian. I think all that sort of, like, what was that? Id, like id, ego and superego and stuff like that that you've got as a child. Yeah. Like those those sort of instincts that you don't care. That, that's yeah. your, that you, you don't care as a child. So, yeah, no. You um, <laughs> you mentioned COVID earlier on in terms of getting people to COVID tests and stuff like that. Yeah. That would probably be something you would do towards the end of COVID. COVID ruined and knackered a lot of businesses, right? But you're you're still here 13 years later. What did yeah. you need to do during that time where probably meeting people and getting up close and personal probably just wasn't possible and you couldn't do? Did you have to like kind of diversify your offerings? Did you have to think of new ways of interacting and stuff? And on top of that, have any of them sort of stayed? Like the whole like the whole country changed during that time. But for a lot of people's jobs and stuff, they've stayed that way. They've, they've actually benefited from that. Now people like myself work from home every day, which yeah. was never a thing now. Have you had to adapt to any new stuff during COVID that you've kind of kept? And has it helped you get more business in some ways? So as soon as the pandemic, like the lockdown and everything hit, I just lost everything overnight. So mm-hmm. all my business that I had booked in just disappeared. So I had to really think in my feet. Luckily, I had some savings put by and I thought, right, I've got a little bit of breathing space here. Yeah. So I started doing online work. You know, I already had like Eclipse for sale, but I'd binned it. So I restarted that and started putting clips up. And um, instead of being, you know, just a dom that only did one-to-one stuff, um, I then became an online worker, so started producing more content. Um, I was doing like adult work, which is basically just sitting on a computer, waiting for like old man Bob to one finger type back to you, and you can't <laughs> see him, and you're like, "This is so fucking soul destroying." Yeah. Um, fair play anybody that can make a killing at that because it is hard. It is a graft. So. I did a lot of that and yeah, it went all right. I did an OnlyFans for a little while. I just found it really hard to upkeep, you know, keep making content and churning it out and doing the descriptions and making sure it's not going to violate anything and blah, blah, blah. So um, so I did a fair bit of that. And then in the middle of all of that, I trained, uh, I did online training to be a hypnotherapist. Oh. Um, and so... I did really good at that. I'm actually very good at hypnotizing people. And so I did that for a little bit. And, and then I, I don't I was already qualified to do neuro-linguistic programming, which is quite good fun. And I've then, done a I've done a two-day course in that and I loved it, but I couldn't afford to take it any further. Um yeah. but it's incredible that stuff. I had like about two years after it, I had this trigger reflex where if I touched my knuckle, it took me to this sort of happy place. And it absolutely totally de-stressed me. That was where I learned quite a lot of it, kind of above the line language and how to kind of get your way in some ways and but to make people want to do the things that you're saying and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I suppose Darren Brown's kind of the main, he's like kind of the, the master of the NLP, isn't he? Um, yeah. I've been on stage, I caught one of his Frisbees once on his shows and I was on stage and he sort of did his whole shtick on me and it's just something I've always wanted to do more of. But I've just never had it, and the job I do now probably doesn't really fit into it as much, sadly. And it was so expensive at the time to put my work wouldn't pay 
for any more of it. But that's really interesting that you've done that as well. Um, after this, I'll send you some stuff because I've got all my books and everything on it. So that'd be awesome. Um, yeah, and I I can teach you some techniques that you can use as well. Um, I, I I didn't think the dominatrix we talked to would be teaching me things to, after this show, but that's um. <laughs> the only reason I wanted to learn it. Um, I was at a I was at a bodybuilding expo, and I heard a guy talking about um, you know, being a doing NLP and helping people to as a as a PT. What would it be like if you could just have people not want to eat chocolate anymore, like yeah. have this in your toolkit, and um, and then we ended up we. We get talking at a, it was like a one day event that he'd done where you could go along and get a taste of it. So I went along to the one day event and he, and he, he was talking about how you can remove fears and then he's like, you can install fears. And I was like, interesting. What can you install? And um, I said, could you make a guy afraid of his own dick? And he said, <laughs> yes. And I was like, sign me up. And I was like inception. I mean, paid a grand there and then to learn that. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. So I did NLP, did um, the hypnotherapy, and then I ended up caught in the Facebook algorithm of advertising courses at me, and mm. I saw a course on coaching, transformational coaching. So I thought I'll try it, and um, I tried it out, and I thought this is absolutely brilliant. This is for me. This is where I need to be. So I studied all of that, then uh, diversified and, and opened a business as a coach. Um, and it took a wee, a wee bit to kick off because I, I kind of didn't really know what I was doing. But once I, I got a wee bit of ground with it, it exploded. And um, and then I just kept that going. So I've been a coach since 2019. So that's awesome. That's really good. Like, And it's, it's, it's crazy how all these different things, but there's still skills that are transferable and you're able to link different things yeah. into different ways of doing it it's you would made never want those dom. jobs and being, Absolutely. A, being a dom's made me a better coach because I'm not afraid to put it on people and say no you need to solve that and also I think people knowing that I'm a dom they know that there's nothing that they can say to me that's going to shock me so I'm like lay it out whatever it is that's going on for you there's nothing that's going to have me falling down dead with my legs sticking up in the air. Like, and that's a, that's important then I think because that means <laughs> to me that that coaching side of your life or the coaching side of your career you don't hide the dom side of your life from that either and nor yeah. should you and absolutely not why should you but I can imagine why some people probably would and they try and maybe hide that persona or that you're actually embracing it and making it work for you and that's really good yeah. have you had any issues with the conflict from other people not liking the link between the two or anything like that I've had a couple of other coaches actually. It's never been a client. It's always been another coach who said, um, "Oh, you you'll not be able to tell people that, or you I would I wouldn't be telling people because that's all they'll be focusing on and all of this thing." And I remember one person had said that to me, and I'd I'd set myself a target of how many clients I wanted and how much money I wanted to make within a certain period of time, and um, and I shared this goal with him, and he said, "Oh." you'll never do that that's a pipe dream and my god that was a red flag to a bull so I I went fucking watch me so then um I went out and I I made it happen for myself so every time a client signed with me 
I would phone him and say, hey, how you doing? Just, I just wanted to share this with you, you two minutes. And he's like, yeah, I just signed a client. And he's like, oh, right, okay, well done. And I'd hang up. And then Amazing. I'd phone him again. So There's times when I'd phone him three times in a day and he'd be like, fucking hell. Like, when you say something's going to happen, it happens. And I was like, yes, that's that's who I am as a person. So, yeah, it was quite, it was quite good fun. Because I, I, like I, I just heard his voice in my head. That's a pipe dream. You'll never do that. Jack, that. You, Jack you're, we, me and you are both kind of almost 40. Um, white guys, pretty boring, really. You spoke to some girls in your work, didn't you, about what we were doing tonight, and you got some sort of questions that they would wanted to ask to kind of get that perspective. So do you want to give us a few of them? Because I realised that, like like you say, we're two guys and I just want to talk about <laughs> people getting pissed on and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the the women in my work were quite, really quite interested and stuff like that. So a few few questions that came up. Um, a few of them wanted to know, which are sort of demographics, basically. Young, old, the, the guys become more confident the older they get and what they want. That, that type of thing they were looking for, a sort of bit of background there, they were interested in that. Okay, so um, I would say my demographic has changed as I've got older. Okay. So when I first started, I would get a mix of, I wouldn't really get so much kind of older guys. It would be more guys in their 20s and 30s, guys that were maybe had a bit of success about them, but they wanted a younger girl just bossing them about because that was a bit of a thrill for them. Um, And the younger guys... I don't usually I would get the younger guys trying to ask me out, which was kind of annoying because I'd be like, it's just not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, it was kind of younger and in their thirties. As I've got older, uh, I've definitely got a lot of older clients, and I actually prefer older clients. They know How old? They want. So the oldest I've had is ninety three. Ninety what? Ninety three. <laughs> Fucking hell! Right? Okay. Yeah. But that age, they don't give a fuck. Just, well, yeah. <laughs> this is what I'm into, you know, and that's it. And you've lost a lot of the judgment. I think there are the odd case where they're a wee bit older and they're still carrying stuff that they haven't told people and they're still embarrassed about it. And I think for them, that just breaks my heart because I'm like, there's nothing wrong with you. You know, you're a whole person and that's okay. So, yeah, it's kind of... It's a whole mix of different people. And again, this is this is from my work colleagues. Have you gone to your safety? Right, have you ever been scared? Have I ever been scared? No, I wouldn't say I've ever been scared. Right. No. Um, the guys that are coming to see me are all submissive. So it's not really in their nature to like try and do anything. or oh. and I can weed that out really quickly. I can tell by the language that they use, whether right. they're dom or sub. Yeah. And if they're pushy, if they're demanding, if they're question, 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 I'm like, you're not, a sub. You're not for me, pal. <laughs> and I'm very quick to say that. So I think when it comes to keeping yourself safe, it's, it's really down to two things. One of them is, you know, you need to weed these guys out, but you also need to be comfortable saying no and sticking by that, sticking to your guns. And that actually applies to anything in life. And this is a direct quote from the girl that sits next to me. Uh, does that give you the book? <laughs> <laughs> That's direct quotes. Got, got quotation marks and everything in the notes. 
Uh, actual carry. I would say if I'm doing anal play, dirty bums gives me the boat. Surely they take care of that before they come. Sometimes not. I've, oh, I've, got, quite a, I've got quite a strong stomach, but there's definitely been a couple of boat worthy moments. One of them was I had someone that we, me and my friend, gave an enema to. <laughs> Okay, um, okay. He didn't release everything that was in there, so we got him up, put him over a bench. She did strap on his mouth. I'd one up his bum, <laughs> and um, she we did a like an Eiffel Tower, <laughs> right. high five in the middle, right? So we're like, yeah, and uh, and as she did that, her her strap on connected with the back of his throat, which caused a gag reflex when that happened. His bum tightened, <laughs> and um, he sprayed liquid diarrhea because of the the enema water right. all over me. And, oh, oh no, I was doing Jesus. my boots and everything, so I literally just unclipped my strap on and stepped out of it and left it wobbling out his arse. <laughs> <laughs> what an image! Excellent. It was oh. uh, it was pretty pretty disgusting, and um, I think of other times. I mean. Sometimes I'll do anal play with somebody and I can literally tell you what they had for dinner. Oh, my God. You know, like there's peppers in there. <laughs> That's sweet oh. corn. Oh. And I'm Jesus just like, Christ. go for a shite. Like, you're coming for anal play, go for a shite. Or eat light the night, the night before. Yeah, there's oh, just crazy common sense comes into it there. That's wow. Aye. So, um, yeah, that, that gives me the book a wee bit. Um, but... Other than that, nah, not much. And then one final one from the woman at my work then. Um, is a kind of... Are you in a relationship with a woman? Yes, I'm engaged. Right, so short and sweet. Uh, right, <laughs> good stuff. Now, have you ever heard Have you ever heard a website called... <laughs> I don't know where to bring this up. Called Punternet. Punternet, uh, I think I have. Is that where guys go, go and like, I feel important by rating doms or something, or, or escorts? Yes, escorts, sex per- workers, doms, anything uh, really. Um, I, I've heard it's, it's pretty sketchy, that website. It's quite... Yeah, because we we didn't go on it, um, but they, they cut and paste some of the stories from it, and we've sort of read some of them before. How close is the dominatrix society in... Like in, I was going to say in Britain, but in Scotland, do you, are you all sort of, do you, do you all know each other or is it, do you sort of stick to I yourself? Would say through, there's a lot of new doms that's come on the scene and there's always going to be a lot of new doms. And I think that's been a lot to do with the rise of OnlyFans, but all of the kind of old school doms, we all kind of know. If we've not met, we know of each other. Have you heard of Mistress Ashley from Derby? Nah. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> because she, she spoke about something that I found interesting like a guy turns up and supposedly asked um, to be called either a whore, a slut or a cunt is, is, there, is there a difference between like being a sub, a slave or a whore or whatever, is there different terms or different types of guys and what they what they want you know as a so a submissive will be quite prescriptive, right? So they'll have their list of, I want to be hit with this implement this many times, and I'd like you to wear this, and this is the role play that we're going to do, and um, I want to be tied up with that. Like, they're very, it's all about them and their needs and what they want. Okay, is that... And keeping themselves happy, whereas a slave 
is someone who will do whatever the mistress says as long as the mistress is happy, even if they don't like it. And do you, so if you get a slave come to you, how do you, how do you know what to, do you want to give him some sort of enjoyment or is his whole enjoyment just list following your instructions? Is that? I mean, I, I can tell if somebody's enjoying themselves or not. Aye, uh, aye okay. But, like, so you, you vibe it, basically? Uh, like we bounce off each other. It's a dance. It's right. not like him. Um, do you remember doing social dance at school? So Gay Gordon's right is a great example. Forward two, three, turn back two, three. Forward two, three, turn back two, three. Uh-huh. And all these different steps, right? And it was very, you're, you're dancing with that person and these are the steps you're going to follow and you can't get it wrong, right? So you've got to, like, these are the steps, otherwise you've fucked it. And um, so that kind of thing doesn't really work. For me, anyway, doesn't work in a session. It's approaching it in that way. I, I would rather have a session where, yeah, there'll be a little bit of kind of etiquette in there, but... I see it more as when you go to the dancing, right, and you're with your pals and they're throwing a few shapes and you're like, oh, I like that. So you throw a wee few shapes back and then it's more of a kind of bouncing off each other. So it's more of a dance rather than a, a social dance. But if that analogy... It makes sense. It's yeah. like she's gone to the arts and just gone mental and I would <laughs> Rather, yeah, rather than the fucking yeah, dash, like, oh, yeah, like you responded to that. I'm going to do a bit more of that. I'm going to add. I'm going to see if you want this added in because I think you might like this. And we go and we kind of create together from there. You got, you got any? Um, don't know what you call them, tools. You got any sort of favourite uh, tools you would bring out? Implements, maybe. Implements, yeah. Like oh man, I've got I've got a decades worth of collection. Right. <laughs> And is is there any that you bring out and guys just go like, nah, fuck that, put that away. <laughs> I don't want anything to do with that. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I've got, um, so the, I do this when, what I tend to get a lot of is, and it's only the young guys that do this. They watch a bit of porn, they go, oh, I want to be dominated. And that's as far as they think about it. Right, and then okay. they contact me and say, yeah, I want a session, and I say, right, okay, what is it that you're into? What kind of session do you want? Oh, I just want domination. I'm like, okay, but what, what do you mean by that? Just dominate me, do whatever you want. And I'm like, oh, that's, okay. a, that's a dangerous <laughs> request. That, oh, fuck me. Here we fucking go. Right? So yeah. I'm like, okay, so do you mean you want to explore a little bit? You want to try some different things? Because I've got a device that will castrate sheep. So... <laughs> If you say do whatever you want, that's on the table. So do you want to go back, go away and think about it and come back to me? Or would you? And they're like, oh, right, okay, I will know that. I'm like, right, okay. So now we're narrowing it down slightly. What about, I've got a dildo that is fatter than two Coke cans. What about that? And they're like, oh, well, yeah, I will like, know that either. And I'm like, right, well. Let's be specific because otherwise, all of that's on the table. Well, so, it's, on the, it's yeah. not just on the table. 
What, okay. What's the timestamp you're calling? Because I think we've just found a trailer there, by the way. <laughs> uh, I think we'll put that out in socials beforehand as a little taster as to what we've been we've been discussing. Um, scrolling through my notes. Anything you now you obviously you're doing it for thirteen years. So is there anything you refuse to do now that you maybe did when you were younger because you feel like you're in a, a a better position, you're better at your job, etc. Like you just refused to. I'm not doing that. I there's quite a lot actually. Like when I first started, it was all about let's experiment, let's see if I like this or don't like it. There wasn't much that I would rule out. Obviously, any sort of intimate body worship, nudity, um, sex, and all that just isn't in my repertoire. So that was always off the table. But um, as I've got older and, and I've tried different things, like I had one guy that used to come in and, and he had an egg fetish. So I would boil up like two dozen eggs and then cut them up under his nose and force feed him them and then he'd <laughs> poke his guts up and spit them back out into a bowl. And I swore I'd never do that again because it was absolutely honking. And then I ended, up, I ended up vomiting as well because I was like, I cannot deal with the smell of this. And then I saw him again, and it wasn't eggs this time, but he just wanted, like, it was just normal kind of bondage, bit of flogging, whatever. And he set off a fucking stink bomb. Like, he had it the in his hands. Of... Yeah, and he's had it in files, right? No. And I heard a click, and I was like, oh, what's that? And, um, and then the smell hit me. And I was getting out that night, so I had to go and wash my hair again because it was, cl- it was clinging to me. Clinging. So, um, so yeah, no stink bombs, no eggs. And I used to do a lot of splosh, and, and I've learned that always use sweet stuff when you're doing it and use liquids. So splosh is where you throw food at someone. Yeah, I knew a sex worker, and she had a client that just liked getting hit with uh, custard, custard pies and shit like that. So yeah. that, is that what that's called, sploshing? Aye, that's good fun. That's good fun. Um, so there's a few things. Like, I don't really do the toilet play anymore. Um, you, sorry, yeah. I was going to say, do you ever find yourself just, just busting out laughing or pissing? Or, like, I don't mean like pissing. <laughs> I mean like pissing yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Do you ever just like? Just aye, like I'm always, I'm always hee on and laughing. It's, right. it's, for me, it's fun. Like I'm not there. I can be serious and I can turn that on if it oh. if it calls for that. But I'd rather have a laugh. Who doesn't want to laugh at their work? Yeah. Is there a sort of obviously there's a some sort of client confidentiality, but any priests or vicars or anything like that? I wouldn't know because they wouldn't tell me. They wouldn't know tell you, no. <laughs> no. Nah. So, so you, you not not uh, all all people that come to you are, are th- so forthcoming with the truth. Then I'd imagine. Or do you feel a lot of people want to step out of that world and into a different right. world? So if they're they don't want to talk about it. They want to talk about work because that's oh. what they're trying to get away from. And when they're in having a session with me, so yeah, and I get that. And when that's the case, I don't ask. I don't tend to ask a lot about people's personal life. Some yeah. people offer it, but I just I know that they're 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 there in that moment, and that's where they are, and that's really all that matters for them at that point. Instead of me going, oh, and how was work yeah. then? So you've nobody like, walk in with a dog collar on, basically, and say, "Yes, I'm like you're in my, <laughs> you're in my territory now, and this is all you need to concentrate on." So, 
Yeah. If um, if I could just go back slightly to the device that castrates sheep. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, which is which is words I never thought I'd put together. Um, but I'm trying to imagine a sheep's bollocks, right? And yeah. I can't imagine their bollocks being being that much weaker than an average man's bollocks, right? So if this thing castrates sheep, if you big massive bollocks, if they're not sheep, <laughs> yeah. What does this do to someone? If somebody says, "Yeah, use that," what does that actually do? Is it electric shock? There's, Is it? There's a, no, there's a, there's a handle, and you squeeze the handle in, and when you do that, there's these little prongs that open up and as the prongs so you'll have a a very very tight thick rubber band around four prongs squeeze the handle in the prongs open up which then stretches the band out and then you slide that over the balls (laughs) and then you let the handle go which then closes the the ring around it and the ring goes back to its original size which is tiny which basically cuts off the blood supply I've saw someone saw someone actually use it on someone. I was going to say, you've were, never actually I used that. I have never used mine on, right. on somebody. You killed them. Yeah. <laughs> I'll threaten, obviously, but um, but I've saw it used in someone and the screams will be with me for the rest of my life. It was only on like for moments. I bet that was enough. Yeah, but he was like, I'll be able to take that. That'll be, you know, acting the big man. And then she was like, slamp. And he was just like, get it off me. Get it off because that's going to, I don't want my balls literally ripped from my body. That's yeah, for the for the benefits of folk listening, we're on video having this conversation, this recording, so we got the full sort of um, hands and description there of that device and how you did it. And yeah, uh, yeah it sounds wild. Um where do you go and buy things like that? So, like we, we've when we've done reviews like this in the past, spoke about stuff like this, like things like pinwheels come up quite a lot. Yeah, um, Amazon. Really? So it's just it's as simple as that. <laughs> that's simple. Cool. Yeah. I, that's not found its way onto my uh, yeah, Amazon I, algorithm yet. You can go um, to like fetish expos and things like that. There used to be a lot, like sex exhibition was a big one. It's gone now, but um. I've bought some stuff abroad, like in Amsterdam, Germany, and things like that. There's also loads of sex shops in Glasgow, like Looking Jacks, um, the places like Soho Books and things like that. There's a new one that's opening up. I think it's called Kinks or Minx or something. That's down near Thirteenth Note Cafe. I seen them putting up right. signs for it, and I'm like, oh, I need to go in there. Um, there's a lot of different places. Amazon, Bondara. Um, if anybody's ever looking for a vibrator, I cannot recommend this company enough. It's called Doxy, D-O-X-Y. Hands down, the best thing I've ever used. And I've used probably every single vibrator out there. Um, and this thing is the the one that I always go back to. A Doxy. There you go. Listen what? to that, folks. Doxy, it, D-O-X-Y. That is the, the dominatrix-approved vibrator. Fucking dynamite. <laughs> and then... Um, you know, I use it with clients and stuff, but also when I first got mine, I was introduced to it by an ex and um, and I was like, this thing's fucking dynamite. That was probably one of the reasons why I stayed in the relationship for so long. Because <laughs> I was like, I want another shot at that doxy. <laughs> and, um, and then <laughs> so we split up and I, I bought myself one. And um, I remember it arrived and I lost about three days of my life when that thing arrived. Like phone off. I'm not talking to anybody. <laughs> Just this have a fucking it. brilliant time. 
Just me and my doxy. Yeah. I'm just I'm just googling it just now just to get an idea here. So what's so. the what's the most expensive thing you've had to buy? Because you've got your own dungeon, yeah. So yeah. what what's the most expensive bit of kit that you've you had to save up for or whatever or, or a real investment? Um there's been a few big items. Like all of the big furniture is expensive. Like you got a cross? Uh, I have a gyno chair. I do have a cross, but it's in right. the storage because I don't have space for it. Okay. I've got a gyno chair, which was um a good couple of grand. I've got a like a bent over bench thing. I don't really know how to describe it, and that was a couple of grand. Um I got some bits. I've got like a bondage throne and a cage those were expensive and then i got some stuff made by a group of female welders i just approached them and i was like can you just make me and they were like yes they were the coolest women i've ever met so cool so yeah um so in terms of like i don't expect you to tell us where your sort of studio or dungeon or whatever it may be is but do you ever like do you have other businesses nearby that do completely different things to is there ever any like Look, talking shop Greg's. Like, like Greg's the baker's next door or a hairdresser's or something like that is there anything that happens with any of that sort of chat with people that may be aware of what's going on next door to them and stuff like that no I mean the the businesses probably know what I do from a lot of the media stuff that I've done oh. so I've been on TV I do these podcasts I've um, I've been in the news when I was doing the, the Ask the 700 campaign the trade union stuff so I get recognised for that, um, and they know kind of roughly where I stay. But everyone just they just mind their own business. I joined the, the local community council. Okay. I'm a very upstanding member of the community. Um, but it's, I've been doing a lot of yeah. kind of bits and bobs, social media, sorting out their tech side, um, and trying to get things organised. I've introduced them to Kanban. Oh wow! I bet they love that. Standing in front of a big board. Yeah. She's like, oh, it's good. I can get everything out of my head and onto paper. And I'm like, yes, and track it, and it's going to be great. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I do all of that kind of stuff. I don't shy away from getting involved in my community. And if any, anybody asks me what I do, I'm like, this is what I do. So, like, ask questions if you want to, but let's just go on me, whatever we need to go on me. But, um, right, well, come to the end there. I was going to say end of our session, but I end of this recording. So, <laughs> the I've got one more question, um, and Colin might have wanted to wrap up as well. But what would you say is the the biggest myths that surround what you do? Like, what, what does everybody think that's wrong, basically? Oh, okay. There must so be think, myths. There are a lot of myths. There's a lot of misconceptions, and most of it comes from people who are in government who are right. trying to try to save workers, right? Which is a bit patronising considering this is the one job where I've actually had freedom. So um most of the misconceptions they put out there is that we're all we're all damaged. There were all um vulgate alcohol and drug and mental health problems. We've all been abused, we've all got pimps, we've all got this, that and the next thing. And that couldn't be further from the truth. And there are there are people in the industry who maybe do touch on bits of those things, but it's not a universal thing. And it's the same as any job. When I worked in, in the, the car industry, 
the guys at the used car bit used to do lines of coke all day and then go out and take customers out in test drives. So drug, like, it's, it's not, there's, it can happen anywhere, basically. And, and there's people who have been abused in their lives that end up working for shitty bosses on minimum wage because they don't think they can get any better. And so are they, you know, they don't do college or they drop out of university because they feel like they don't deserve to be there. So when it comes to the, the job, um, it's, it's not the job that is creating any of this or that attracts those people. All of that stuff's already happening in society. And I think if we um, if we go offer off our very judgmental high horse and actually just help humans, then that would be a lot easier, a lot better for people. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd maybe even argue the fact that what you're doing is, in a lot of ways, it's a service and it's letting these people get what they need out of life that they maybe can't get somewhere else and they get to release whatever inhibitions they've got, whatever desires they've got, whatever needs they've got, which if they were going unreleased, then... You know what you're like if you're if, if you in any walk of life if you get something you really want and you can't get it eventually you pop and you break down and you yeah. can't cope with it so yeah by all means you're you're and then when you break it down fundamentally you're providing a service to people and it might not seem like getting things shoved up their arse or getting <laughs> castrated with sheep pliers or whatever they might be called is a <laughs> is a good healthy thing but there's yeah. a lot of stuff that probably is very advantageous to them completely and you're right government and people that will be talking about stuff like this will be so far attached from it. It's just not even worth listening to. Um, and it's, I, it's never about the it's never about the strap on or the dildo or the paddle or anything like that. All right, that might be the the presentation of what they're they're there for, but it's about something else. They're chasing something else. Yeah, it's, it's that feeling absolutely. Um, I don't have any other questions as such. Probably what all I wanted to do was to kind of round things up was just give you an opportunity um, on this platform to tell us anywhere you want to plug, anything you want, if people want to go and find out more oh, about you. Okay. No matter. Yeah, no, 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 yeah not, not Jack's, not Jack's arse, not to plug that. But yeah, anything uh, you want to put out there. Uh, we'll obviously link it in the notes and stuff as well, but if you want to put it out on the show, yeah. you're more than welcome. I, I would definitely like to plug... Um, an event that I'm doing, I don't, I don't know if it will be for everyone, but I'm organising an event and it is Doms versus Unarmed Subs Paintball. Oh, and there's, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be, it's a four-hour event with three Doms, one from Scotland, one from Ireland, one from England. And um, we have got all sorts of games lined up. You don't have to be naked if you don't want to be. You'll be masked. You can, um, you can decide whether or not um, well, you'll be filmed and you can decide whether or not you want to be clothed or cover up tattoos or whatever. Um, we're also giving everybody a shite bag flag, so if it gets too much for them, they can the shite bag flag. And, uh, <laughs> and then we'll go for dinner after it. So if anyone's up for that, we've still got a few spaces left. Um, for the full day, it's £247. And I was um, going to say, does that include your paintballs? But they don't have them, so they don't have any. No, yeah. we we all have the guns. They won't. And um, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 going to be absolutely incredible. We've started a, a company together, the three of us, called Humbler Games Events. <laughs> nice, that's, that's good. good. You're good yeah. We like a pun, don't we, Jack? So we'll be we'll be doing an event every quarter. This quarter, it's going to be uh, Dom's versus Unarmed Subs Paintball. 
Amazing. So if anybody wants to go to that, then they can get me on Twitter at Megara Fury or um, they can go straight onto the website, iampower-less.com. And and yeah, you'll see Humbler Games events and the paintballs in there, but you'll need a password to get in. So you have to DM me for the passwords. Yeah, I clicked the link today and it said password protected. So <laughs> we've okay, got I'll a... send you. I'll send you. Yeah. We've got a, we've got a few listeners that get in touch quite a lot. They come to mind right away for this sort of thing. Young Dylan perhaps <laughs> would be a good one for this. Young but, Dylan. Yeah, oh god, Dylan's right been out here. I'm so sorry, Dylan. <laughs> no, Dylan will be into it. He's, I mean he spells his name D I L O N, so he's he's you know he's into strange stuff, so he might be right into this. Into it. Um, into so it. yeah, so he, he's jumping out for me for this one. Um anything I watch from you, Jack? No, it was fantastic. I really enjoyed that. That that's it. Like I just want to thank you for for coming on and yeah, sort of dispelling those myths you're speaking about. You seem like a perfectly rounded, lovely individual, Magara. So um cheers for taking the time out to speak to two middle aged guys. <laughs> Let's be honest. But uh, yeah, big yeah. kudos for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you. And um, I'm sure we can catch up and talk about uh, Agile and NLP and stuff like that somewhere. Absolutely. That let's us, do absolutely. That. That's good. not how we're finishing the podcast, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, but not, that's good. That yeah, brilliant. Good stuff. Thank you. All very right, much. You take care. Thank you. You too. Thanks. Right. Cheers, guys. Colin, I personally don't think there's anybody still listening and if they are, they're pretty hardcore long-term memory fans and I would be expecting them to go and sign up to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash wrong-term memory or by clicking the link in the show notes. Absolutely. And if for whatever reason they can't do that and paying for content isn't their bag, they can still offer us continual support by leaving a rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. (laughs) 